It's Monday the 25th of May 2020 You are listening to day number 21 of my 100 days of code journey learning modern JavaScript My name's John Aspinall if you didn't know that already, and you'll come straight to this episode. But if you haven't, in for a treat today, because I've achieved more stuff. What did I title this episode? Day 21. APIs and making code flexible, I've called it. Why, you may add. <coughs> So, let's do this in reverse order, announcing the winners of this world. Making code flexible. Now, what do I mean by that? So, just rewinding back to day 20, the previous day before that, I've been writing a little app called Use Input Mirroring, where I've got a text area on the screen. The challenge is to mirror exactly what the user types in a, a another div on the screen called the preview div, which I've done successfully yesterday. So kudos to me, pats on the back all around. That's an SFX of me patting my back. Won't give up my day job. So, I had all that working previously, which was good. However, I had it working when I had one text area on the screen and one just one preview div. Now, one of the caveats in the challenge was how can you make the code script account for more than one text area on the screen? So that was a bit of a head scratcher to start with. So previously, I had just done a made a reference to the text area in a variable using the query selector method. So I'd gone const text area equals document query selector. And I'd entered text area in the parameter. Now, there's now more than one text area on the screen, so I've added three in the HTML. Just journaling, what? What? Yeah, I will, I'm gonna come down. Sorry about that. Just got instructed to take the dog down for a wee did my flow. So, where was I? <laughs> that was it. So, there are now three text areas in the HTML document. So, you now need to get a reference to all three. So, to do that, I use document query selector all. But the problem is, that doesn't just get a reference to the text area. That returns a HTML node list, which I'd forgotten. I've watched a video on these of what you need, to, how you need to deal with 
node lists. And the why. So I had to go and rewatch a video that I'd previously watched and forgotten. So it's good to go and recap that anyway. And how you deal with a node list is you have to apply the for each function to it and iterate around every one, <coughs> which was easy enough to do. So I've now got a concert variable called text areas with document query select all text area, which is returning node list. So I've got a reference to all these text areas in my code in the node list. Now to access the content in the node list, you need to run it through a uh, for each. So I've gone text areas dot for each. Uh, and this is, I've created an arrow function. So it's a callback. So it's, it's asking for an, uh, the for each method needs a callback function. So I've written it as an arrow function and in the first and the first argument I put in is text area and then the arrow then the code block so what this is doing it's going around the node list and it's capturing each one so what I did I wrapped that around the function code block that I wrote yesterday so it goes around each node list. My son's making a rack racket downstairs. He's really putting me off. Should put my headphones on, really. I'll do that tomorrow. So, in the code block... Oh God, I've, got a, I've got an event listener. I've got the key up event listener. He's really putting me off this. Keep event listener is listening now on every text area on the screen and it's doing what it was doing yesterday which was adding the value e target value to a string and it's displaying it in the preview window and that's making this whole setup more flexible So, I can now add as many more content areas as I like. I can add five content areas. And the script will now handle listening to all those. Because if I, if I had three, I've got three at the moment, if I had eight, it'll just add them to the node list. And this for each loop will just loop around the node list and add a listener to every single text area. So that's how that's worked, so that's good. I did tweet. I created a movie of this and I tweeted it. Put it on my Twitter feed, at John Asp. Created a movie in quick time. Converted it to an animated GIF and it's on my Twitter feed now, so it's pretty cool to have that on there. And I also took screenshots of my script that I've written and HTML. So that's on there now, so you can have a look at it if you want. Should you be so inclined, you've got absolutely nothing better to do. Go and have a look. So I did this in kind of the second part of the day, in the first part of the day. I worked with an API. I did some API work. 
So what I did first, I watched, I watched the relevant videos on my Unimi course. Which were do 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 do. Me synchronous. That was it. <clears throat> I watched some videos on a synchronous JavaScript, which was quite interesting. So Sean told me what it was, and why it's important, what have you. So I think synchronous JavaScript is pretty essential when you're working with APIs. So in a nutshell, synchronous JavaScript is where you'll have, say you've got five different code blocks, one runs after the other. So code block three will only run when code block two is complete, which if you're doing an API call and it takes absolutely ages to come back, your whole program hangs until it's completed, which could be a problem, um, you know, got a web app that's taking five seconds to do what it's got to do the user's going to get pissed off and you can get penalized by google for slow loaded pages so it's pretty important so you need a synchronous code so what's that a synchronous code is where again say if you've got a, a function that makes an api call when that's running it'll go off into its own thread was it a thread he said it goes off into its own anyway and allows you the code to run after it so it doesn't make the, the script hang until it's done what it's doing that's essentially what it is so that's particularly relevant to apis because when you're making an api call you need to wait for the data to come back and i suppose if you've got a, a big chunk of data or there's an error in transmission it can make your program hang so yes that was that very basically that's what it is. So what else did I do after that? I was looking at um, making HTTP requests and uh, response statuses. Let me get my, get my script up. I've comments all over this, it's a bit of a mess. So I was working with creating a request object. So to do that, You use the XML HTTP request method. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Once you've got that request object, you add an event listener to it. In there, that's looking for, it needs a callback function. It also needs a parameter argument called ready state change. Ready state change, we'll learn about that. So what ready state is, um, it goes out and it does four states before it responds. It didn't really fully take it all in, so I probably need to revisit that. So the gist of it is, if you want to pull some data back from an API, you have to use the open method of the request object. And within the parameters that needs are the arguments it needs the get argument and then you need the endpoint url of your api so this one i was using it's called json placeholder 
www.typeco.com to do's and that's, that returns the to-do list. So that's kind of setting up the request to the endpoint and then you need to request send. That actually sends the request to the endpoint. And your data comes back and then you've got to do something with it. So once it's once it's sent back a ready state of four, I think that means done. You test for that in an if statement in the event listener. And that, that, that will then and then you you what to do then a console logged the response text property in the request object and it worked. So yeah, um I've got my first API call working, which is good. But there's a there's a lot to take in on this bit. What to take in? I've understood the fundamentals, I think, but definitely not in my muscle memory yet. Um, working with these APIs, I've got a good grounding, and I think I need to probably rewatch these videos again. And I think I'll rather than diving dive any deeper. I might just try get a, more, a few more endpoints to play with and just set up some basic connections again to different APIs, different endpoints, and just get my head around the basics again. And so yeah, that was me today. It was me. So yeah, I've achieved quite a bit today. I've probably spent, I'd say, at least two hours watching vids and coding. So it's been a pretty productive day. What I'm going to do tomorrow. What I've just described, I think. Just doing more API calls. Just logging more stuff to the console. And I think I might actually display some of this API, uh, some of this JSON data to screen. I think that may be a good little exercise to do. So that'll be me. And that will be me for tomorrow. Finally, quote of the day. This comes from John Wooden, W-O-O-D-E-N. If I don't know who these people are, Google them. John Wooden was an American basketball player and head coach at the University of California, LA, nicknamed the Wizard of Westwood. He won 10 in the... Basketball. Not my bag. I'll read his quote anyway. He said, Things work out best for those who make the best of how things work out. So what he's saying there is make the best out of a bad job. Those who make the best out of a bad job do best. Again, in whatever field. So... I think it's just be resilient, I think that's the message there. And on that note, I'll bid you good evening. It's half past ten, I'm going to go and watch the news. Watch Dominic, Dominic Cummings' hilarious excuses for how he, or why, he broke the lockdown several times in the UK.